you know, most of us are, it is a power that is us, but it's also greater than us. And if you've been abused by authority figures, we run from that power. We run from our own power because we Mm. fear it will do to us what another power did to us. Hi, I'm Biz Cush, a life coach and therapist and your host here on the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. We're talking to women all over the world who found their way back to themselves, to their inner knowing, to their intuition, to their wisest self. We're exploring how to feel alive, authentic, engaged, and fully present in your life. Let's awaken your wise woman. Hello, wise women. I'm Biz Cush, and this is the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. My guest today is Dawn Kohler, and she is the author of the book, The Messages. And I will talk a little bit more about Dawn's background and her bio, but I just wanted to share that I finished her book recently, and it really had a profound impact on me. Being a childhood sexual abuse survivor, her book is hard to read at times, but because I also experienced childhood sexual abuse, I understand the courage it took to write this book and to put it out there into the world. It's a very vulnerable experience to share your story. And I just so appreciate the compassionate, caring way she shares it with us. And if you get a chance, I hope you will read the book and know too that, you know, if that feels too difficult for you, I totally get that too. I I know that it's not always easy to hear stories if you've experienced something similar. That can be very triggering. So know that that it's it's not an easy book to read, but there's such a hopeful message. And as I said, I just deeply appreciate her willingness to share her story with the world. And really, ultimately, although the book is about the messages, it's also about traumatic growth. What can come when we're ready to heal, when we are in a space that we can move through the trauma to the other side. And the wisdom that we receive along that journey, in that journey. Dawn Kohler was an award-winning entrepreneur in the computer industry when she was abruptly summoned to take a life-altering course. What followed was an extraordinarily healing journey, gave her profound insights and a deep understanding of the human dynamic and how it plays out at home, work, and in our communities. Combining these insights and her business experience, Dawn became a sought-after executive coach, helping leaders understand and enhance their impact on others and their contribution to the world. Her clients have included many of the most influential women in entertainment, as well as senior leaders at such companies as Sony Pictures, NBC Universal, Lionsgate, DreamWorks, Fox, Snapchat, Disney, and Amazon. Dawn is also the author of three books, including her recent memoir, The Messages, which we'll talk about today, A Prophetic Journey and Its Relevance Today. 
She serves on the board of Step Up, a nonprofit organization to help mentor teen girls in low-income areas, and is passionate about the importance of our individual role in supporting the human awakening. Dawn and I talk a little bit about that human awakening towards the end of the podcast and just her message and the messages that she received through her healing journey really resonated with me. Being a fellow child sexual abuse survivor, Dawn's story in the messages is powerful, painful, and beautiful all at the same time. What really resonated with me in our conversation today was the idea that our healing, healing ourself, our soul, can help us create deeper connection within ourselves, but also with others. And that level of deeper connection, I hope, can help heal the world. I know many of us women are helpers and healers and caregivers and empaths and intuitives. And if you're feeling as if this journey in your life right now is taking more from you than it's giving you and you need to find more balance and ease, I've created a few writing prompts that you can access to help you better understand how you're feeling, and ways to bring more balance and ease into your life. You can find the link to that journal and my newsletter at awakenyourwisewoman.com, the website for the podcast. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dawn. Hi, Dawn, and welcome to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. Hello, Biz. Well, thank you. I appreciate being on your show, and I'm really looking forward to our interview today. Yeah, me too. Me too. I just so much love talking to other women across the country, around the world. It just really lights me up. So I'm excited to have you on the show. But for people who are not familiar with you, could you share a little bit about yourself so they have an idea of who you are? Oh, very good. Well, I would say that I identify most with being a mother and a grandmother and a writer. Yeah. I also have a a profession that I absolutely love as an executive coach. And these days, most of my clients are women and diverse executives that are being prepared for advancement into senior leadership roles, which is very rewarding to be a part of. Wow. Yeah. And I bet can just speaking for myself personally, could probably bring up a lot, this advancement to a a leadership role with more responsibility and power and things like that. It does. It brings up a lot and everybody, but I think particularly women and and people of diversity, we all struggle with that. I'm not good enough wound. And -hmm. when someone is trying to promote you and give you more responsibility and, and authority, it can often create a pretty substantial inner conflict within us. So I'm dealing with quite a bit of that with my clients as well. Yeah. Well, and I so appreciate that the focus, well, one being on women, because as we know, women don't always get put into these leadership positions, but also diverse populations, even less so. 
Right, right. And less so, and they also have their own cultural barriers. Yeah. When we're talking about the Asian community, from the Hispanic community, from the Black community, each one suffers from their woundedness that they mm-hmm. carry as part of that culture. And it, it challenges many of us. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. If you are open to it, I'd love for you to share some of your experiences and what you've learned through your life. And because you're so able to help others, clearly, I mean, to me, having read some of your book, you've been through, you've had some challenges in your life and pretty significant career shift too, and motherhood and all the things, but also your own personal trauma. And I I would hope that you would share some of that with our audience. Well, certainly. Whatever you feel comfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I wrote the book on it. So I, I need, I've had to become comfortable talking about it and sharing it. And the book, as you know, is called The Messages. And it really, I'm looking back on that time in my life. I'm 60 now. When I look back on that time, it happened in my early thirties and it was really a pretty radical and unexpected twist. I had three young children at home. My husband and I were running a rapidly growing tech company. We started shortly after college. And then one morning I went to work as I did every morning and I loved my job and I loved my employees and I was looking forward to getting in and, you know, pulling my reports. And I pulled up to the building and I literally could not get out of the car. And I knew I was physically capable of doing it, but something in my body, I couldn't pull the handle. I couldn't make any kind of physical overture in order to get myself out of the car. And I sat there and I really struggled. I'm like, I want to go in what's happening to me. I want to enter the building. I want to do what I've done every day. And it just kept coming back that I couldn't, I couldn't. And finally, as I hit my, I think, pinnacle of frustration, an inaudible voice came into my mind that said, this is no longer your way. Mm. And I didn't know what that meant. I only knew that I had been defeated and I had no other choice but to turn around and go home. And when I went home, I crawled into bed and sank into what was a really debilitating depression. But within a couple of weeks, the internal message came back and it began to lead me on what was really a miraculous journey. Yeah. I mean, some of what you describe is, well, horrifying in some ways, but also just so powerful. Just some of the messages you continue to receive through your, I don't know whether what you would call it, but like to me, this awakening of your past abuse. Well, it was an awakening of my spirit or soul. And in order to reach that part of me, I had to go through the abuse. Yeah, because abuse or trauma of any kind is really a type of soul blindness. Yeah, it becomes almost impossible to see who you really are because these horrible things have been projected onto you by others and you buy that projection. You believe it. So you own this sense of true unworthiness that you deserved the behavior or the abuse or the rejection, you name it. That's how we survive as kids. We think, well, we deserve this. We are horrible, awful individuals. And that's the only reason this could possibly be happening to me. 
And we mm-hmm. do that to preserve our parents because we know that, or our abusers, whoever our caretakers are, because we know we need them to survive. I can't right. survive in this world if my father is this horrific, terrible person who's going to abuse me. I can survive in this world if I am so ill-fitting that I deserve to be abused and he's actually a benevolent dictator. So we write a story that allows us to get whatever care or at least the basic needs met so that we can survive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the idea that it has to be my fault because if, if it's their fault, then right. What the hell is my world? Like what is, we have no power. The only power we have is to change a story that allows us to survive. We don't have the power if it's them to either stop it, we right. just to do anything, but it, it's actually worse at that point. So, you know, yeah. our mind is quite miraculous in our survival techniques, yet we outgrow those situations, thank God. But our survival techniques still stay very engaged. And we take them into our relationships, into our families, into our work. And I I see that often as an executive coach. You know, people are very much still constricting themselves, their potential because of the strategies they use to survive. They were very effective when you're children, but they are very repressive as adults. Yeah. Well, and as you said, we really can't embody ourselves fully while we're still repressing what happened or or not dealing with what happened really like what and we're still using those same coping strategies because basically those strategies kept us from knowing all the things that were not so great right like the right. things that exactly. happened to us exactly and what it also prevents us from knowing though is how great we are it yeah. prevents us from yeah. knowing and awakening into the untainted self, the Mm -hmm. purity, the soul that has never really been damaged by the experiences that we have in this lifetime. And that does exist. It exists in all of us and it's in us and it's trying to heal us and it's wanting us back. Mm. And, you know, most of us are, it is a power that is us, but it's also greater than us. And if you've been abused by authority figures, we run from that power. We run from our own power because we Mm. fear it will do to us what another power did to us. So Mm. it's difficult. Awakening for anybody of trauma of abuse is a very difficult process because of what the assignment in our minds that we, what we have assigned to authority figures or figures of power and how they will hurt us. Hmm. It's funny, I haven't really thought about trauma and I am a trauma survivor as well. Like that sense of power being dangerous in many ways, our our own power, like, yeah, will I do to myself what was done to me or feel about myself the way I felt about that person in power? Right, right. So it becomes very difficult to accept, to embrace. And instead, you know, so much of us, spend a great deal of time and perhaps even our entire life looking for that thing, of course, that we already have while fearing it all along. Oh my gosh. I can't tell you how many probably therapy sessions, but also just blog posts about, for me, the steps I took to try to feel 
whole again, right? As if there was something that was missing. And so maybe it was this religion, or maybe it was being a mom, or maybe it was getting married. And or maybe it'll be my job that finally makes me feel like I'm a full person when really it was, I needed to spend time with myself and healing and yeah, recognizing the worthiness and the self that is there. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. I mean, this most significant, as trite as it sounds, the most significant relationship we're going to have in our lifetime is with ourselves and we don't spend enough time on it. And when we do, we just, we often treat ourselves the way our parents treated us. So it's, if we had a dismissive parent or rejecting parent, or even a, a, a very good parent that was just really busy, we're going to adapt all those same kind of relational habits to ourselves. Yeah. And if we have those, whether it, again, critical, dismissive, avoidant, it's really hard to allow us to expand and to awaken and to find those inner capacity. And when I say inner capacity, it's just our sheer capacity to love and to have compassion and to express whatever unique gifts we are here to express. It all gets compromised. Yeah. Well, learning to trust that you do have it within you to not be your parent, right? In some ways, like to do things differently and to trust that you know how to shape a different relationship with yourself can be a challenge. Well, yes. And trust is key because we are not taught to trust ourselves. We are taught to look for external advisors. You know, the mm-hmm. teachers taught, told you whether you were smart. The doctor told you whether you were well, your parents judged your character, good or bad. As very young children, nobody said, you know, let's just go inside and figure out <laughs> how you feel or what you think about it. So we just have developed this habit and bias towards an external source versus ourselves. Man. A short story, I had such an interesting experience with my child, when my oldest child, when she was five. And she came home from kindergarten, maybe she was six. She came home from kindergarten and there was a big note that said, talk to your children about what they would do if there was a fire in the building. Mm -hmm. And so I took the note and I sat down. I said, Samantha, what would you do if there was a fire in the building? And she looked at me and she said, I'd stop and wait for the voice in my head to tell me what to do. And I knew at that moment that, you know, on the yellow piece, the right answer was not that, <laughs> you know, that's not what they were telling them to do. The telling was to get that's in line. That's not what they were looking for. And, right, right. That wasn't what it was being programmed into her at that time. But mm. the fact that that was her purest answer, I would stop and wait for the voice in my head to tell me what to do. I wasn't going to try to parent that out of her. <laughs> I just looked mm. at her and I went, good answer, Samantha. <laughs> wow. She wow. knew, you know, she knew she had a resource. Children are very close to that resource. I'm just going to stop and be quiet and wait to be told because they have that inner wisdom. As children, we have it. Our bodies grow, but these elements of ourselves are always there just to different degrees. We have the wise one with us when we're young and we have the young child with us when we're older and wise. Yes. The growth of our body 
and the different aspects of our mind do change, but the elements seem to be all there through life. And that's such a lovely image, right? That, that we have the wisdom with us always, as well as the inner child. It's just, we lose touch with depending on what happens to us. Exactly. Exactly. And it's important. I mean, when you talk about, you know, the awakening, the wise woman, the awakening itself is understanding that we have all these aspects of self and that they exist and some have been banished and we need to bring them back. I mean, true health, mental and physical is integration of self. So Mm -hmm. there's exploration that needs to happen for most of us in our inner landscape to really let some of these parts of us that have been dismissed or ignored or avoided come out and emerge and integrate and tell their stories so that we might be able to have access to more of us and access to more of us helps us to have a more positive and intentional impact on others. Without mm-hmm. it, we're acting from a place of unconsciousness and that can hurt ourselves and can hurt others. Yeah. Well, you mentioned when I ask in the form some three things you would like me to know about you, which I loved all three of them, but you said that you struggle with anxiety and depression at times. And as a wiser woman, you're learning to accept it versus fight it to make room for it and listen to its messages. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for me as a therapist and a life coach, I'm hoping that that is the goal of my work to have have people learn to hear all parts of themselves with compassion and kindness and curiosity, I hope, so that we're not trying to rid ourselves of these parts, but maybe help better understand them so they're not quite so overwhelming or take over us in the ways that they used to or the ways they learned how to. Right. Often what we don't know, we fear. And uh, when we can sit with ourselves and really allow some of these different aspects that we probably couldn't deal with at the time, or we didn't have time to deal with, if we can just allow that and integrate it, we become really full, fully functioning resources that were meant to be here. Yeah. And what helped you in sort of this awakening or this realigning with yourself in this process, I would imagine, I mean, I've read some of the description of the early therapy, which sounds really hard. I mean, it sounded like it was as opening as it was. There was a lot of information coming at you in a, it feels like a small period of time. I don't really know if that's true. And that was true. It was extremely difficult. Once I stopped work and the depression hit and I went and, you know, I went to a medical doctor, nothing was wrong with me. I, he sent me to a therapist, I went to the therapist and this whole started to unfold. And at the time I told her, I said, this is really unusual what's happening to me. And I had a very deep sense that this was a calling, some kind of spiritual calling. I'm secular. I didn't tie that to any kind of religion, but I knew inside I was being called to do something. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, it sounds like you are having an awakening. This is happening more often. And so from a therapist standpoint, even that kind of was her diagnosis. You know, she said, I, everything you're saying is in line with how this tends to happen to people. And yeah. so we just go with the process. I was very 
focused and determined to figure out what I was being called to do. What is this about? What am I being called to do? And she was very focused on, you've got to stay in your current circumstances and understand the feelings you have today, which was not something that I was interested in doing. I wanted to like skip Mm. over all of that and get to give me the cliff notes here. What's the point of all of this? Why, (laughs) why did that path in and what path do you want me on? I mean, I just, I was looking for, you know, the data and she was looking for the feelings. So as we negotiated therapy, and I truly thought I would be there for about six sessions, Mm. she listened to me in a way as she asked me questions about my childhood and how I was feeling and, and really listened from a place of compassion and hearing me. And I would say certain things about things that happened in my childhood, whether it was my mother passed out on a couch or some of these encounters that I was having with my father she would just look at me with such deep sadness. And how did that make you feel? That sounds so sad. And I had no access to my feelings. I just saw them in her and went, oh, that's, that's the emotion that goes with this experience. I had no idea. So Mm. the healing became very difficult because now you're in the process of reconnecting to yourself, right? From the dissociation that happens in trauma and sexual abuse. Now I'm connecting to myself and to those feelings. And somebody is reflecting back how, you know, that's painful. And so then the depression turned into just emotion, that depression where you just have the malaise. And then if you really work with it, you find out what, what feelings you are depressing. And it was uh, a tremendous sense of isolation, loneliness. There were months where I felt like I was an orphan in a prison camp and I couldn't figure that out because it just didn't coincide with my life as I had created it in my mind. And as it was in Mm. its current state, I was, I was happily married. I had kids, but these were all emotions coming up from my childhood that I couldn't have felt then. And it was difficult and it was painful, but what kept me going through it, despite the twists and turns in, in the therapeutic relationship that made it at times worse, my kids, you know, I had kids and I, I had to come home and, and make dinner and nurture them and get them to school. So you just have to push through on one level on, on the other level, it always from the inception felt like there was a reason behind it all. And it was going beyond my personal healing and beyond my personal experience, whatever was calling me forward was calling me forward for a reason greater than myself. And no matter how difficult it became, I knew I had to keep going. Wow. And so, as I shared, I I have not finished your book, The Messages, but what was that greater purpose for yourself? What was it that was pushing you? And did you continue to sort of receive these messages from your soul, from your yourself? I did. The messages did not stop. They followed the entire story of the book. But I mean, the book in itself. And as it was going along, one of the messages, several of the messages continually said, write the book. So part of the messages mm-hmm. was to, in fact, yes. write the book. And yeah. I didn't know what book I was writing. I'm like, a book about what? <laughs> I think that's exactly where I got in the book. Like, 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 write the book. And I'm telling the therapist, like, what am I supposed to write a book about? I'm getting these messages to write a book. And it became very clear because of the twists in the therapy and the way I was being led that 
I was to write the story I was living because it was just the intelligence behind it was so much greater than my own. I, I became very humbled and with great reference. And I was like, okay, clearly this is the story. So I was yeah. writing the story as I was living it. And the experiences in my current circumstances was always leading to the next level of my healing. And it was always leading me to release and release myself from the fears, the emotions and the ill beliefs that I had from my childhood. And the more those released, the more I expanded, the more I was awakening my own consciousness and the more my, my soul was coming to the surface so that I could eventually see it. The soul yeah. blindness was going away. I was being healed of that. But as I was led through this and towards the end were of the cleansing, if you will, because it truly was a, a cleansing of a lot of very toxic feelings I had from my childhood. I was yeah. then led towards the end of the book to write a series of what I experienced as, as universal messages. It, it, it was really clear that those were from a divine source and they were for all of us. And mm -hmm. those messages were positive and reassuring, which as difficult as this journey was, the messages that came through, and it was so clearly nothing I would have personally written, not, not the words or the sentiment, but the sentiment itself mm -hmm. was quite positive and reassuring. And the first communication was, was an announcement, really, that it, you know, this new evolution of our humanity has begun. We have started mm -hmm. an awakening that is global. It was reassuring, and that I was told through the communication that we will get everything we need in this transformation into this kind of new human consciousness. We're going to get what we need to do it safely. Hmm. It was also clear that it is a delicate time for us and we are to take care of each other and ourselves to find our own sources of healing and learn to love more fully. That, hmm. if you will, is the abbreviated version of those messages. It also did yeah. include a heavy emphasis that we are not to support or follow anybody who comes from judgment. Following any kind of prejudice or any kind of prejudice leader is going to cause us all a great deal of suffering. So yeah. instead, yeah. it was a lot of encouragement, go inside where we can tune in inward and listen for our own messages and know that everybody's path to this new consciousness that is emerging will be as unique as their fingerprint based on their life experience, based on who they are, based on their strengths. It's everybody has their unique path. Ultimately though, again, what was most encouraging to me in these messages is that we are going to a very good loving place where we have this expanded awareness of, of who we truly are. And we do have time for this to be a gentle change. It was very clear. It was made very clear to me that we do have time and that we can avoid any kind of apocalyptic ending that we all fear to the world. It was made clear that that can be avoided, but we avoid mm. it by stopping the judgments, by doing our own healing and by yes, learning yes. to love ourselves and others. Now that's how we avoid it, but we do have time to avoid it. Hmm. That is such a positive message because I feel like there are many of us out there in the world who are 
feeling stressed and hopeless and frustrated and feeling all the judgment that feels so present right now. That just the idea that this will shift through our own healing, but through a universal experience. Well, the, the fear to your point is very present and very oppressive. And mm -hmm. we need to be able to turn inward and find that goodness, find that inspiration and move with that. Because if not, the fear wins. The fear ultimately is not going to win, but it will continue to repress us. And we don't need to do that. We could, we're much, we're going to be much better off if we take that same energy and just turn inward, find those internal messages, those sources that we all have and move with it for our own healing. So we can bring forth that wise woman, that deeper soul, that light, the more of us that do it, the more it will pave the way for those that can't for one reason or another. Yeah. Yeah. How did receiving these messages, the experience you went through with writing the book and your personal work to get you more aligned internally and feeling more like your soul self, how did that, I mean, you had worked in the tech industry before and that was not feeling like you're calling anymore. How did that shape the work that you do today? It was really interesting because when I was in the tech industry, I was very much building a company because I was trying to build my own self-worth. And mm -hmm. I wanted to, prior to that, I was in real estate sales. And I, I remember thinking, I, I want to feel like I'm better than my last sale. And mm. I thought, well, okay, then I need to build a company. So I have this company <laughs> that I can build to have more of a steady sense of self-worth. And when this all happened and that went away and, you know, the, comp uh, the, the company was sold and that whole identity was gone and I finished the book, I then received, I knew I needed to do something with the book, but it wasn't time yet. I printed a few copies, nothing really happened. It just wasn't time. The time was to focus on raising my kids. So I did uh, yeah. raise my kids, but what emerged very rapidly afterwards was a CEO woman who had read my, the first book, the one that I wrote about the story. And she said, you know, I think you can help me. And I said, what do you want me to do? She said, I have a couple leaders and they are driving me crazy. And I said, well, what do you want me to do about it? She goes, I don't know, Dawn, figure it out. And it was really interesting because I thought, okay, well, this is an interesting challenge. So I went and met with the first one who was a, a CTO, a gentleman in his, you know, mid thirties. And as I talked to him about what his job was, what his aspirations were, you know, what his fears were, things like that. It was just so clear in that very first meeting that my business acumen, plus all of the information and lessons I had learned in therapy and my own experience just came together and fit like a glove. Because as I listened to his narrative, I could see his inner landscape. I could see the strategies that got him there. And I could see the strategies that were blocking him now. It was almost mm -hmm. like a sixth sense at that point. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. It's like all the gears fitting Everything. together. All it was like literally having that feeling like I am hitting the sweet spot. And I ended up with a full practice in about six months. And that company wow. was bought out by a company in entertainment. And I ended up in the entertainment industry. So fast forward 18 mm -hmm. years, most of my clients are the major networks of the studios. And I'm thinking, I do not know how I ended up 
as an executive coach <laughs> in the entertainment industry. It's not something I sought out to be. It's not a, a passion anywhere along the line, but it's mm. how my life unfolded. And once I had that first client, it was literally like I hit the jet stream. I think when you, you know, when wow. you can take your skills and your knowledge and it all, and you're clear, it just took off. And the greater purpose of where the book meets the executive coaching and all of that is still a mystery to me. I don't know when and if these worlds will come together or if they already are, I'm not sure. It's still an unfolding. At this point in my life, I am still doing the coaching. I thoroughly enjoy it. I rewrote the book last year after COVID. And I, I really recognize both in my client base that what I experience is happening now. This is happening. And so I felt mm. very compelled to start talking about the messages. And I'm not sure there was, there's a time earlier in my life where I really could have owned, embraced them and, and talked about them the way I can now. Yeah. It's funny how it seems to me that oftentimes that, well, like you were in a space that you could receive the messages when they began to come to you, right? And prior to that, you wouldn't have been able to hear it or couldn't because of your system and where right. you were. But it feels that way about the book too, that you are in a space now where, I don't know if it's easy to share them, but it feels important to do so when you're ready to do that. I would say yeah. that's absolutely correct. It's always been important to do so. I think I'm just more capable now. Yeah. Yeah. That wisdom with uh, whatever, with our <laughs> growing sense of self, I guess, right? That's right. Growing sense of self. You know, it gets you to a point where it gives you the strength and, and the courage to do what is difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy to say, hey, I've got these messages. I, you know, I consider myself to be a very practical, rational businesswoman. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. But to me, that's the, that's that's the beauty of it, right? Like yeah. you're not out to sell your religion, quote no. unquote, right? No. Or, I don't have a know, religion. I'm not building the Church of Dawn. I am not. No, real, right. Or, just or, or your woman. way of receiving messages, <laughs> right. right? This is just like, this is my experience yeah, and I need to share it. To, and I feel a yeah. deep spiritual obligation to share it because I believe that is the purpose of my life. So, yeah. That's beautiful. If you had a bit of wisdom that you've learned along the way that you could share with the listeners, what might that be? I would say trust. Mm. Our soul is always trying to heal the split between who we truly are and how we live and think about ourselves. It's yeah. always trying to nudge us into alignment and by tuning in and trusting the process and listening to those messages, by understanding we really do get what we need and participate in the circumstances in your life, however difficult mm. they are, fully participate in them because that's where the healing is. It's not out there. It's not waiting. It's, it is right there. There is a hot red thread in every circumstance pulling mm. us closer to that soul. In order to do it, sometimes we have to tolerate a great deal of discomfort. But I would say, Amen. That, trust, 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 trust. Yeah. The pain's not going to kill you. 
That is the truth. That is the truth. In fact, yeah, I think sometimes the pain is what helps push us to the other side in many ways, right? To, to get that feeling. Well, because it's a huge motivator to get out of it, but we really have to pay attention to our choices. There's ways to get out of pain, alcohol, you know, we've got a ton of addictions to get out of pain. Yes. Yes. Uh, that's not going to get us anywhere. Right. We have to f- travel through the pain instead of anesthetize it because it's by traveling through it that we learn. That's where the wisdom is. That's where the love and compassion is. That's where the expansion of soul is. That's where we learn how to take better care of ourselves, but how to really listen and take care of others. Yeah. We can't really know others until we really know self. That is so, so, so true. I'm going to show you. Well, it's going to be upside down, but I have a tattoo that says trust. There yeah. you go. I love it. I noticed <laughs> just the had, tattoo. I thought, oh, that's cool. <laughs> just got it uh, a little over uh, less than a year ago because it was calling to me to be there to have trust right on my wrist. So good for go. you. Good for you. Well, if you're going to tattoo anything, that's the best word I can think of. <laughs> How do people find you if there are women out there listening that want to know more about you, your books, your work? How do they find you? They can find the book on Amazon. I'd recommend that first. It's called The Messages by Dawn Kohler. Would love a review, good, bad, or indifferent as well. The reviews really help. Mm -hmm. I can be found on my website, which is dawnkohler.com. That's D-A-W-N-K-O-H-L-E-R.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. Well, I will include the links to your book and your website and all your social media stuff in the show notes for the episode. Fantastic. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate the interview. It's been fun getting to know you even on this for this few minutes here. And I hope our paths cross again. Me too. Me too. Thanks again. Take care. As always, my conversation with women for the podcast just leave me humbled and appreciative and grateful that I am able to connect with these amazing forces and soulful women out there doing amazing work. My conversation with Dawn, it felt very heartfelt, but also I'm always amazed that I can feel so connected to someone I don't know very well. And I think because in some ways we share a common history of being childhood sexual abuse survivors, there is sort of an innate knowing of others because we have walk through some of the similar, some similar paths in our lives. So if this resonates with you, I hope you'll read her book, The Messages. If you are a subscriber to my newsletter, you'll know that I am an avid reader. I love reading and I'm reading something all the time. And I share what I'm reading in the newsletter and would love to know what you're reading if you're out there reading good books, I want to know about them too. So if you subscribe to the newsletter, you get to find out what I'm reading, what I think about it, 
as well as new podcast episodes. And I typically include some sort of reflection essay in and mindfulness tips and all kinds of good stuff, as well as free coaching sessions when I'm offering them. So to be in the know, sign up to my newsletter, elizabethcushcoaching.com forward slash sign up. I look forward to connecting with you next time on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music by Andy Cush, sound editing by Laura Disler, and show notes by Kathy Cush. If you'd like more information about me, Biz Cush, and the resources shared today, go to awakenyourwisewoman.com.